You are listening to the Coach's Ed Podcast, exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. Awesome. Um, so so the first thing I think it's always just really interesting, um, you know, to, to have folks introduce themselves um, on the podcast. And so just wanted to, yeah, have you introduce yourself. All right, here we go. Um, this is Nicole Lukic. I am the current technical director of Rush Wisconsin West. I'm also the select manager of the Rush Select program. And I've been with Rush Soccer since 2015. Awesome. Well, I, uh, again, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us. I know as a, a technical, and in the roles that you're in with Rush, uh, technical director, and then um, doing all of the administrative work for the the Rush Select program and working in that program as well. That uh, you're you're a busy a busy person to be sure. Um, so how did you how did you first get involved in the game? How did you how did you come to soccer and what was your um, what was your pathway as a player? Yeah, sure. So like any other kid, maybe their mom just signed them up. Um, so I played one year of rec soccer. I was on the Dolphins. We were horrible. Uh, we didn't win a game. And then for some reason, from that experience, I decided to try out for competitive soccer as a goalkeeper. And if you know me now, I am a whopping 5'2". Uh, <laughs> so that's not where I ended up. But that's how I got going. Um, I love watching Bryce Scurry as a younger player in the 99 games. And I worked my way up through competitive competitive soccer with a couple different clubs doing ODP and and stuff like that and from there we're on to play division one at the University of UW-Milwaukee and kind of injuries then got me into coaching yeah that's a so so what what age or, or when was it I'm really curious about that like the transition and I'm always really interested to you know, I think everybody, it seems like, has a has a different pathway to coaching. So I'm curious about that for you. Like, when did that come up, That the idea? Um, how old were you? What brought it about? Well, actually, my one of my youth coaches, um, she always got our team involved with, like, junior coaching and giving back and that stuff. So I started probably doing just, like, volunteer stuff at 16. But um, in college – um, I think my freshman year, actually, one of my old coaches, he took a high school job uh, down the street from where I was playing college ball. So he asked me to come join his staff at the high school. And that's that's really how I got started. I think I was 19 or 20 at that time. That's incredible. It's 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 awesome that you had people that exposed you to coaching at such a young age. It, it seems like a more unique experience than I would expect it to be for folks who coach that, that they were exposed to it at such a young age um, it is, is great. And then what, so what you said that some injuries in college maybe, and then, and then maybe just finishing your college career. Uh, what was that? What was the transition like when you moved from being a player and obviously, obviously playing at a very competitive level um, and transitioning into a coaching role, or maybe while you were in both of those roles, what was that like? Yeah, sure. So in college, I obviously, most, I think, collegiate players do have dreams to go on and play 
professionally. And for me, um, I kind of knew right away freshman year that that realistically probably wasn't going to happen for me anymore because I had something called compartment syndrome in my legs, which really painful. Yeah, that's... You know what that is? Yeah, I do. I've had a... I haven't had the experience personally, but I had a number of players who, during my time as a college coach, who who had it, um, one in particular who it yeah, had ended up uh, ending her career much earlier, I think, than than, it, than her career could have could have gone. Yeah. So, I mean, meeting with the doctors at that point, I knew it was really extreme and that having surgery, I was probably just going to be lucky to, you know, finish my college career and end on a good note that way. So, unfortunate, but fortunately, you know, that gave me time to start thinking about other things and um, having my previous coaches getting me involved with coaching was really a good out, a good outlook for me or, and just like a different a different thing to start thinking about with soccer. And um, I had really good coaches growing up and, you know, they were just people that I wanted to be around more. So that was an easy yes for me to go hang out with them and just learn things about the game from them. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely different from playing. And I think any player to coach once they make that transition, you know, it's, it's definitely a process because it's a different role and you, us, that are super competitive will always miss playing. And- yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. And it took me, um, you know, I, I had some similar, some similarities, I think in my transition to coaching, it happened younger than I probably would have liked, uh, certainly. Um, and I think I didn't even, even a couple years into having some coaching experience, I don't think I saw myself as a coach. Yeah, it was, it took time. I don't think it was difficult. It just, it just took some time to transition, I think, mentally from being a player to being a coach and, and kind of embracing that. And I was uh, similar to you. It sounds like fortunate to have um, some people in my life who maybe saw me as a coach or saw that as an opportunity for me before I did. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any interest in coaching, but I loved the game and I loved them as people. And so I think that was the hook for me. So, so you, so you start thinking about coaching while you're still playing in college and, and getting involved with um, some youth teams and, and a high school team, you said. So then where did, where did your coaching kind of pathway go from there to, to where you ended up with, um, you know, as a technical director at, at Rush in 2015? I mean, after I graduated from college, I got a full-time job in the business world um I was coaching for a club then after my nine to five also doing high school at that time so really staying busy and coaching and you know it only took me a few months to kind of be like I hate this nine to five thing the best part of my day is coaching you know how can I do this more um so from there I started working on a master's degree in athletic administration um while I was still trying to figure out in my head you know what was next for me I I then got offered a position at the University of uh, UW-Lacrosse, which is the town I live in now with Rush Wisconsin West. So I quit my 9-to-5, and I moved up to lacrosse, took a chance on a small, very small stipend, uh, Division three assistant coach job, and 
from there, I mean, things really changed for me. I was just doing that and any other odd jobs I could. And then I got approached um, by the club in town that said, would you want to be our director of coaching? And I had no idea what that meant, but I signed myself <laughs> desperate. And yeah, it kind of just really, really took off and grew from there. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And so my understanding is that, you know, at the time when you were approached, it was a, you know, the club was a pretty small operation and it's it's a far a far cry from that now. So what was that what was that process like being kind of thrust into a role as a director of coaching and then growing a club, you know, five or six times in size over the course of just a couple of years? I mean, shout out to Ben John at Rush Wisconsin. We started as a, a satellite of theirs and he's the one that really brought me into the rush. So like you said, we started off small and you know, there's so many great things about Rush, one being all the resources and the fantastic people that are involved. So really trying to figure out, you know, what made other Rush clubs successful and how can we implement that here? We really had to work to change the culture here because before, um, I would say it was probably rec plus at best. Players were just signing up seasonally. There was no year-round training or anything like that. You know, working through all the kinks slowly but surely and just, you know, building a strong team and a board that believed in our vision and just executing the small things daily to get to where we wanted to be. That's awesome. It's uh, like I looking at it from afar and, and being involved, you know, in a lot of different clubs and a lot of different places like I know the the time and the energy and the sort of problem solving that goes into the undertaking of a project like that, I think is, uh, is underappreciated by many who, who haven't, haven't kind of walked that path. It's interesting speaking to someone else who has so much like variety of experience um, in opportunities to work in high school environments, club environments, obviously having played division one, and then you worked at a very successful division three um, program you're now heavily involved with the rush select and and those sorts of things being in all of these different environments where do you feel like you for you as a as a coach like where did you grow or, or learn the most that's a tough one I mean I think all of the experiences have definitely helped me get to where I am now and more so probably all the different people that I've met along the way and worked with and learning what works and what doesn't work. But I mean, for sure, the the technical director role at, at Rush Wisconsin West has really challenged me. You know, I'm the, the head leader for the club, so constantly trying to make the best decisions um, for everybody. At the end of the day, the decisions that we make um, it falls on my shoulders. So when you're in charge of something, there's just a, a whole nother weight to it. Yeah, I can attest to that. I think it's, it's typically the people that, that make any experience um, a valuable one, it feels like. What do you think, when you think about the work that you're doing now as a technical director, and obviously I know there's a large coaching component with that as well, 
what are the things that best prepared you for success in the job that you're in now? Whether that was formal education or if it's something in a totally different field or, or just different skill sets, like what things prepared you to be successful in that role? Wow, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe just having good role models um, in my life. And I think there's just something inside of me that drives me constantly to want to be the best in whatever I do. So maybe that comes from my parents. And again, just being involved with a lot of different things and seeing how other people are successful and you like myself, just constantly wanting to push and get to different levels, do all the little things every day that add up to bigger things. It's it's interesting thinking about it. And I think like just listening to a little bit of your pathway of where you are now, I think the the thing that strikes me is that at a pretty young age, in two different circumstances, you had to change lanes pretty dramatically from maybe what you thought was was the path. Thinking about when you were a young athlete, you know, being in your freshman year of college, being 18, 19 years old and having this obviously dream to play Division One, and then and then idea of trying to continue that pathway into a pro environment and then being in a situation out of your control where – it wasn't an option. And then also thinking about finishing college and being in a nine to five job thinking probably initially like, this is the pathway. This is what happens when somebody graduates from college. Right. Um, And in both of those circumstances, like your ability to change lanes and to consider what sounds like really thoughtfully a different path and a different option and, and, and pretty non-traditional, um, yeah, shifts. It, it, I think, and and when I think about being a, a director, I know that for me, that's one of the things I think that a skill set that comes in really handy every single day. Um, you know, I think we all lay groundwork of what we think is perfectly made plans, and here's how things are going to go. Whether it's a interaction with a coach or a parent or a player or a, a, a grander scale planning a season. Um, or a year, and then it seems like the skill set that comes in handy the most often is being able to change lanes or being able to shift yeah. to plan B uh, right. in some right. ways. I mean, we do all you, just went through that majorly with the pandemic. Yeah, do you find that that, that, that kind of problem-solving, and it sounds like pretty optimistic mentality is one that comes naturally to you, or is that something you have to work at? Um, both. I think it's something I learned as a player that I needed to be better at. Um, and so now I try to carry that into my professional life. I think before I was injured as a player, you know, I was pretty selfish. It was about me and my pathway. Um, and my mindset just really kind of shifted after that and trying to make the most of out of everything, knowing that I probably only had three years left to play. Um, but you're right. I mean, being able to shift lanes, like you said, it's huge in this role. I mean, I can remember back in March that one day we're planning to go outside the following week. And then within 24 hours, we're trying to come up with some virtual learning stuff. Like 
<laughs> yeah. That was a yeah. For sure, but yeah, something I think that none of us probably very very few of us were adequately prepared and qualified no. or trained to be doing. Um but somehow here we are 8 months later um pretty adapted uh, you know, we're all pretty good at Zoom and I think what well, there's virtual learning centers now and programming and it's um yeah, it's crazy to think about what it's been the last eight months. For sure. Yeah. So can you can you talk a little bit about um, kind of the work that you're doing with Rush Select? Because I think that's a, a really unique program, obviously, to Rush. What that Rush Select kind of piece is in your, in your um, you know, in your kind of coaching yep. role. Yep. So Rush Select... Um... I do some coaching, but my main role is, like you said, more administrative. So my title is the Rush Select Manager. Um, One of the biggest things I oversee is the invitation process for players. So I get to work with the coaching staff from all over the country to help select the best players for the teams and send out the invites, continually track um, the invites, answer families' questions, um, really that communication piece between the program and the families and players. And, you know, we do all kinds of different events throughout the year, the centers, the hub, PDT, and um, our international trips as well. So it's pretty consistent throughout the year. Um, and then... This year, I was lucky to be the, the head coach of the 07 Girls Midwest team, and I'm also the 04 Girls assistant coach. Our monthly campaign for the coaching development content for December um, has been kind of managing the performance environment uh, and all of the things that go into that. So all of our webinars and, and um, content has been focused on that kind of performance environment piece. So I'd be curious to know you know, what kind of things now that you're in, you know, a technical director role for, for the club, what sort of things are you bringing to the table in the day-to-day work with the club from those kind of elite environments that you've had an opportunity to work in, whether that's college, ODP, now being really involved in the Rush Select program, what pieces or components do you think are important, you know, to the environment that, that everybody works in every day? I mean, for us here, we are super focused on developing individuals over teams. Um, We get that, you know, for us to win a state cup, like it's just, it's not super realistic, but for us to help a kid play division two, division one, or maybe even professional, like that's more obtainable for us. So that's, you know, really what we focus on and, how we build our training sessions. Um, We do other things too, to kind of help that process. We have the center program, the before school program. Um, I personally coach all of those sessions and I really enjoy it because those are the kids that are super focused on obtaining their own personal goals. You know, we're aware of the fact though that not everybody wants to be that person some people just want to play soccer for fun and that's good so it's a constant challenge um 
to find the right balance, right? And try to make everybody's experience what they want. So thinking about, and you talked about it earlier, and I thought it was, you know, interesting listening to you talk about kind of your journey as a player and, and getting involved in the game at a young age and, and looking up to um, Brianna Scurry and, the, and watching her play in the 99 World Cup. Currently, I think there's been a big increase in visibility of the women's game. Um, and knowing the impact that, that that player had on you when you were younger, do you think that that increased visibility, do you see it having an impact on the players that you're working with? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, especially, you know, you compare it to where I was at, at you know, 12 through 16, 17, 18, whatever. You know, the, the players I w- was watching were Champions League players. Uh, I was a big Arsenal fan. I wanted I wanted to be Thierry Henry or Cesc Fa- Fabregas, you know. Those were my heroes. You just couldn't turn on the TV or, you know, we didn't have so- social media um but now you know I listen to the girls talking about Alex Morgan, Lindsay Horan, um Tobin Heath, the players that are starting to play overseas like it's crazy how different it is and it's it's an excellent thing. So thinking about that in in like you said I think I had a similar experience and probably many of our colleagues would have as well that all of our role models as young athletes were were men there was never a time that that image included playing alongside other women, which I think is funny to <laughs> right. think about now, but it is really funny. like from where you sit working really rooted in the youth environment, but also having experience, you know, being in co- the college environment too. How has the game evolved on the, on the women's side and in the girls game, um, you know, in, in the recent past? Yeah. I mean, I would say there's certainly more opportunities. I mean, and just the visibility, right? If, like you talked about, you can now girls can envision like and set goals, like, hey, I want to go play for the Chicago Red Stars or whoever. When you and I were that age, we dreamed about being on the men's Arsenal team, and we didn't even think <laughs> an eye about it. But yeah. you know, yeah. now it's 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 real, and it's something that they can envision and picture. It's great. Do you think that the U.S. is keeping pace with the rest of the world um, when it comes to the women's game? Obviously, the, the women's national team has been, you know, largely the, the kind of team to beat over the last 30 years. But do you think that we're keeping pace? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I'm an expert enough to answer it, but I uh... I honestly don't love the style of play that the U.S. women have, but it works, right? They're winning, so <laughs> yeah. you can't talk it too hard. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you see some of the women going overseas, which makes you wonder what's going on there, and is it budgetary related or um, just a better opportunity? Again, I'm not super involved, so it's it's hard to judge, but as of right now, I mean – they're obviously killing it compared to the rest. I'm happy to see the financial component becoming a bigger and bigger um, kind of piece in the women's game. Cause I think that's important, but it's also, yeah, it makes me wonder developmentally if we're 
um, if we're if we're keeping pace with the rest of the world. So, we'll, uh, you know, I think the next couple of years, uh, time will tell. So the last last couple of questions here um, to wrap. What, do you have any predictions for the, you know, the Tokyo Olympics coming up this summer, uh, assuming that, uh, you know, that they take place here in 2021? Um, predictions for who you who you think will will perform well in that event? Oh, boy. Um, well, of course, I hope the U.S. win, but I think teams like France and England are going to be coming for them for sure after this last World Cup. Yeah, and we've, you know, I think watching it at the youth level, especially in the under-17 and the under-20 World Cups recently, um, there's a lot of talent internationally that's being developed at, at a youth level um, and obviously young players being in professional environments. So I'm a little nervous. Um, I'm with you. Obviously, I want the U.S. to win, but a little nervous about what that might look like, um, you know, in the immediate future and then, you know, what about 2023? Oh Obviously, a, a few more years out for the the World Cup in Australia. Any uh, any bold predictions for who who walks away as the as the next World Cup champions? Wow, that's that's far into the future. Um, my crystal ball. I don't know. Let's uh, let's give it to Japan. <laughs> okay, it, you know it can happen. Fun, you know? We'll see. Um, I'm not. I've I've yet to go on record with any uh with any commitment to anyone for 2023. But I think, um, yeah, I think that France and England and Spain make me really nervous right now. Watching, watching some of their youth programming and and seeing you know the the players that they have performing in, you know, first division professional leagues at 17, 18, 19 years old, and and what that looks like over the next couple of years, and and whether the U.S. can can help to get young players involved in environments here and abroad um, at that level, hopefully to, to, to put ourselves in a position to continue to, to be number one in the world. If, if you could give yourself some advice uh, for that, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old um, young person who was kind of embarking on a, on a coaching journey, or even maybe after that, when you decided that coaching was, was something that you wanted to dedicate kind of full-time work to, what advice would you give your younger self? Let's see. I would say, I don't know, just stay positive, believe in yourself, use, use the people you trust uh, to lean on in times of need, and keep shooting for your goals. I love that. I think it's uh, good good advice for anything, regardless of uh, if it comes to soccer. I think mine to my younger self would have been uh, take a deep breath and have a little patience. <laughs> um, I think I was a, a pretty a pretty impatient. Uh, I was impatient as a player for sure, and then I think that definitely I took that with me into my coaching for the first yeah. couple of years. Maybe uh, um, I think five it, minutes before you hit send. <laughs> that's a, that's still a piece of advice I probably need now. Um, I would agree. It's probably more relevant yeah. now in our our work as club directors than than when we were first coaching for sure. Um, no, I I just want to thank you for you know for your time and and sharing kind of some of your pathway and and you know where the game has taken you. Obviously, both as a player and as a coach, I think it's important that. Um, 
you know, that, that we all continue to, to support one another as coaches and, and build our network. I think my story is similar to yours where there have been a lot of people along the way who um, opened doors and helped me and, and taught me and, and maybe picked up the slack when I had no idea what I was doing. Um, you know, and I think that the more connected we stay as, as coaches, you know, the better we all become for sure. So I definitely appreciate your, uh, your time and willingness to, to share your thoughts and your experiences. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Coach's Education exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network.